This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right now, there is no stopping the Cleveland Indians. Welcome to the Streak Podcast. In 2017, the Cleveland Indians went on an unprecedented record-setting 22-game winning streak. You may never see anything quite like this again. For the next three weeks, you can hear each game as it happened, night after night, on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. History continues to march on. On the Streak Podcast, we'll get the stories from the players, coaches, manager Terry Francona, and others from the voice of the tribe, Tom Hamilton and Jim Rosenhaus. Now, let's relive one of the greatest stretches of play in Indians and baseball history. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 18 of The Streak. I'm Jim Rosenhaus, and along with the voice of the tribe, Tom Hamilton, we are bringing you some of the great stories behind the scenes from those who were involved in the Indians' 22-game winning streak at the tail end of 2017. That turned out to be a record breaker in the American League and many say in Major League Baseball too. And this all coincides with the radio broadcasts that have been running of those games along the uh, Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network as well as Indians.com. Now coming up shortly, we will hear the second installment of a two-part interview with the voice of the tribe, Tom Hamilton, and outfielder Jay Bruce, who was such a key figure in the Indians' fortunes down the stretch in that 2017 season, and obviously a big, big part of the 22-game win streak. But first, to look back at win number 19, the Indians were remaining home to open up a new series, this time against their Central Division rivals, the Detroit Tigers. And like so many of the games in the streak, it was over early, as in the second inning, the Indians were piling on Detroit, thanks in large part to Francisco Lindor. Here's the set. Here's the pitch. A swing and a line drive. Gapper, right center, gets down, goes to the wall. Diaz scores. Gomes scores. Look at Allen flying, scoring. Lindor head first, slide at third. It's a triple. Ball gets away, backed up near the stands by the pitcher, Jay. And Lindor's cleared the bases. A three-run triple up the alley in right center. And Greg Allen looked like a relay man on an Olympic team, and he almost caught the field. Also in that fourth inning, turned out to be a huge inning for the Tribe, Jose Ramirez continued to stay red hot. Here's the pitch to Ramirez. He swings and launches one high and deep to right. Way back there, home run, Jose Ramirez. 7-0 tribe. Number 26 for Jose Ramirez. Safe to say the wrist is just fine as he launches one deep into the lower deck and right. And along the way throughout the streak, strong pitching was such a big key. And on this night, it was Carlos Carrasco shutting down the Tigers. Here's the 1-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. 
Went right back to the curveball, and Carrasco has struck out nine and is dazzling the Tigers again. He's made six starts against Detroit this year. He has not given up more than two runs in any of the six starts. The Indians routing the Tigers eight to nothing. And in the end, it was Carrasco and the bullpen helping the Indians to their sixth shutout of seven shutouts throughout this streak. Just an incredible display of pitching by the Tribe, and it all added up to win number 19. I mean, when the average score is 7-2, to two, that tells you pretty much all you need to know. And the fact that tonight it's 11 to nothing, and in this what will soon be a 19-game winning streak, Six times the Indians have been in double figures and runs scored and potentially now a sixth shutout. It's just unheard of in the history of the game. First at bat for Andrew Romine. He'll bat left-handed. Sends a high fly. Shallow left. Coming hard. Geyer near the line. Makes the catch. The Indians left fielder squeezes it. Ball game. And the Indians' relentless pursuit of a potential major league record winning streak continues onward. 19 in a row for the Indians. The fourth longest winning streak in major league history. Now just seven away from the all-time mark by the Giants. 26 in a row in 1916. Can they catch him? Oh, whoever thought it'd be 19 in a row. The Indians blast away the Tigers tonight by a final score of 11 to nothing. And as we mentioned earlier, one of the key figures in the streak for the Tribe was outfielder Jay Bruce. Out of nowhere, seemingly, the Indians able to acquire Bruce from the New York Mets after Michael Brantley went down with an injury that would really hobble him the remainder of the season. Indians needed a proven veteran bat, and they got it in Bruce, who was just tremendous throughout the streak. He had been with the Tribe since the beginning of August, so he had some games in before the streak began. But as uh, Hammy and Jay discussed, the streak kind of took on a, a life of its own as it got going. Did you get a, a feeling at some point during there that I don't know when or if we'll ever lose again? I mean, it, you guys would jump ahead early. You, you, you were scoring almost every night in the first and second innings. And then, as you just said, the way they were pitching, a lot of those games were, were over early. Jay. Over in like the fifth. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it was just kind of funny, honestly. Like, I don't even recall when I felt like, oh, man, we're about to, like, win every game we play for the next 22 games, you know. Um, but it was funny because there were, like, small jokes and, like, one-liners. And, you know, I talked to my buddies on the phone. I'm like, dude, you can put the bad boy out there right now. Like, <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be able to go out there and win because we – like, there's just too many good things happening. Like, if whoever goes up there – whoever has the uniform on or the bat in their hand or the ball on the mound that night is going to get the job done. And it was so funny because it was like kind of a joke, but also it was serious because I mean, like Greg Allen came up at the time and started doing well, like out of nowhere, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he was, he was part of the whole thing. And 
like people that didn't have the huge roles at the time were doing things that were required, I guess, doing more than what was required of them. And that, that's and interesting. All that. Yeah. You, you point that out to you. I mean, Frankie and Jose were incredible during that three stretch. But to your point, Gomes and Perez were unbeatable as a, a, a tandem behind the plate. Eric Gonzalez, Gio Urshela, um, yeah. minor leaguers, bench players. Why do you think that happened? Is it contagious? I think that there's, I think confidence is contagious. I think that, you know, you are who you are as a player, but I think when you come into a situation that allows you to be comfortable and allows you to feel confident about coming to the field every day, I think that there's definitely some traction to be gained there more easily than in other situations where there's a lot of pressure. Um, and I, I guess you could have, you could say that there'd be pressure put on you when you come into a situation and, you know, you're on a, 15 or 16 game win streak and you're playing third base or you're playing center field that night. And, you know, you may come up with something on the line, but it never got there. I think that it was a, it was kind of a collective effort between the coaching staff who, who did a great job of, of allowing us to be ourselves and to be comfortable and, you know, instilled that confidence in us that we were the right group for that moment. And also the, the group of players never really allowed the anxiety or the pressure to creep in and so we were just coming to the field playing ball I think what I recall being the most impressive thing about it I think that we played three double headers on the road in that stretch mm -hmm. and we swept all of them mm -hmm. I don't care who you're playing that is hard to do I think we did it in Chicago we did it in Minnesota and we did it in New York and, and I remember that being like, wow, like people ask me, like my, my buddies back home or my parents or whoever, they'll be like, what do you like remember being the most impressive about it? And I'll say that we swept three doubleheaders on the road in essentially in September and to keep the streak, streak alive. Jay, were you hearing a lot? from former teammates or friends or go, oh, so they, they traded for you and now you guys never lose? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you get a little bit of that stuff. But I, I started, once we kind of got going, you know, people people started texting me and, you know, hey, are y'all ever going to lose? You guys just don't lose anymore? Like stuff like that. But not so much specifically with me. But, you know, what what I remember being cool is when we got to like, 17 or 18 games, um, I guess I call him a former teammate. He actually got designated for assignment the day that I got called up, but Scott Hatterberg reached out to me. Um, and obviously that was the whole, you know, the A's was, a. I think they were 20 or 21. Um, and he was a big part of that. And, you know, so we are connected from the Reds, but I never actually played on the same field with him in the major leagues, but we stayed in touch. He was someone that I really have a great deal of respect for. And he reached out to me and we started kind of talking, you know, throwing some jabs back and forth um, through the whole thing. And I just thought it was cool how things come full circle, you know. And so he, he, he kind of chimed in as well. And um, 
so yeah, you started getting some of it, but then I thought it was really cool and pretty, it got pretty real when he started texting about it because, you know, you go back and watch the whole money ball thing. And, um, that was a pretty big deal in baseball history. Okay, Jay. So if Scott Hatterberg can then star in a movie, isn't it fair that the next movie is about you and the Indian streak and who plays you in the movie? I don't think it's really fair to say that. Um, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I think that they were probably trying to reinvent the wheel at the time the A's were. And so I think that's probably more, more what the movie was about. But if I had a movie and someone was playing me, I would definitely want it to be Matt Damon. <laughs> he's my, he's probably my favorite actor and Goodwill Hunting is my favorite movie. So. <laughs> there you go. Jay, are you superstitious? Did you, when things started to grow on this street, did you try to do something the same or whatever? No, no, I'm not superstitious. I guess my superstition is not being superstitious. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a very routine oriented person, but not so ODC or, or OCD or over the top that it's like crazy to watch and be a part of. But, um, I believe in consistency and I believe in a routine and I believe in, you know, it, it allows you to, you know, manage your time better and, you know, understand what you, the time that you need to prepare for the day. But I, I didn't, I really, really didn't. Um, man, I remember trying to find a pair of cleats that felt good on my feet the whole time. Like, because just getting traded over, I didn't have any red, like red cleats because we'd switch them off sometimes. And all my, stuff had black in it so I was wearing a lot of old reds cleats and you know trying to call backy and get the right cleats so no I mean I changed cleats a hundred times during that streak so I did not have any superstitions going on I was honestly just genuinely enjoying playing baseball for the first time in a while and that is is no um knock or anything on the Mets or anything like that but we just weren't very good and getting to come over and play winning baseball and knowing that, you know, not counting down the days till the season was over was something that I really, really appreciated and did not take for granted because, you know, in Cincinnati, we won a lot for those three or four years there. So you started kind of just like taking it for granted, like, yeah, well, when we make the playoffs, you know, we're going to play this or do that or go this, go to this place. But, you know, for, you know, in 17, like it was not, uh, it was not a lot of fun because it was like a countdown till the season was over. And, you know, it, it really re-energized me and kind of, you know, got me going again once I got over to Cleveland and, you know, just could go out and play baseball and the sole pu purpose was to win and the reason you were trying to win because it mattered each mm -hmm. game mattered. And that was so much fun for me. Um, I've been very fortunate to have a long career and it is not fun when the games don't matter. Jay, it was, it was a big deal to get to 20 in a row, just because of what you mentioned with Scott Hatterberg and that Oakland A's team had won 20 in a row. You break their mark with 21 in a row and you had a three run home run in the very first inning the next night. Did those games 
start to feel different when it was 20, 21 in a row, 22 yeah. in a row? I think a little bit. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, it's funny. I was a lot of the guys from the Mets were texting me throughout the deal. And, you know, in New York, you've got 20 or 30 media members in the clubhouse at all times. You know, anytime the, media, the, the, the clubhouse is open to media, there's 30 people in there. And it's almost hard to get around sometimes, you know, and that's just another added layer of playing baseball in New York. And, you know, it can be very exciting and add a lot to it, but it's also, you know, something that can get, um, you know, a little overwhelming at times. Sometimes you can't, you don't feel like you can get to your locker, but it took till we got to 20 games in a row in Cleveland to get the same type of media coverage (laughs) that we did that we had in New York. And I, I remember thinking to myself, man, it took us 20, winning 20 games in a row before we are, have the same group of people essentially in the clubhouse that we do in New York. Um, and yeah, I think it started feeling a little different once we got around that 18, 19 game range. Like once we, because then I felt like people started making up other records that are pulling up records from 1847 or whatever it was that, you know, this, team did and it's just like we've never even heard of these teams but you know when the records start being broken everyone's trying to leave no stone unturned because they want to give you the respect and the and the accolade that you deserve you know which is totally understandable and very very cool but um I feel like there was another team that won 23 in a row or something yeah or 24 I forget but one of them had a tie in it I think the New York. High, yeah, that was, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, it, I don't even remember the game. that it, Was it against the um, – That was against Detroit. You got Detroit, a three-run homer Detroit. in the first inning. Yep. Okay. No, see, I don't remember that. We we lost against – Well, and then – so now the next the night – Royals. Yeah. The next night okay. when you win 22 in a row, that's the night you had the walk-off the walk-off hit in extra innings is as you go back and you kind of look at that game i mean we're down to the last out the last strike in the ninth inning uh tying runs yep. on base frankie lindor's at the plate what, what what's it like in the dugout in a situation like that are, are people kind of like yeah this might be it or how, how do you what was going on in well that? you know i don't think that i think that at that point, we kind of had, like, let the streak kind of be its own thing. Um, and with that being – like, saying that, I mean, like, we weren't riding every single pitch or out or run on, man, we got to do this because we have to, to keep the streak going. You know, like, the streak was something that was complementary of the success we were having. Um, but, you know, specifically, because I can think back for myself – I want to feel like it was maybe the night before. It might have been that night. I feel like I should have caught a ball in right field, um, and I didn't catch it, and I was – then you start thinking, man, if this is why we lose this streak, I'm going to feel terrible, you know, kind of stuff like that. And I'm sure every guy had that thought at some point during the whole thing. Um, but earlier in the game that I had to walk off double, I had an opportunity to do it earlier against Bookter, I had the bases loaded and it was, it was, I feel like it was in the bottom of the ninth or in the eighth. I forget, but I had the bases loaded, I think one out and I popped up to the catcher 
And I was like, I was thinking, I remember thinking to myself, is like, dude, you had every chance. Like, all you had to do was hit the ball fair. That's <laughs> it. Just hit it fair. And this would have taken care of everything. And so then I was like, gosh, that's a blown opportunity that I had. And then Frankie comes up, and lo and behold, he's got one strike left and hits the ball to left field that a lot of times Alex Gordon catches. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's an incredible left fielder. We all know that. Y'all know it probably better than anybody. And it was just out of his reach. And then it was like, oh, my God, we're going to do it again. <laughs> we're going to find a way to do this again. And that's kind of the what I remember saying a lot throughout the whole thing is, like, we're going to figure out a way to win this game again. I, we weren't ever very – we weren't behind very much. That was for sure. But – we were going to find a way. And that night was the same thing. Once Frankie did that, we were going to win a hundred percent. No doubt about it. Um, it was, God, it was crazy. It was so funny. And you go to the 10th inning and of course, you know, Jose leads off with a double. Are you sitting there now thinking, cause you're going to bat third that inning. Are you already going, I'm going to have a chance to do something here in, in the, to get a knock and keep this thing going? Are you mentally, are you preparing uh, yourself for that, Jay? You know what I remember being so like caught up in during that whole time is how many doubles uh, Jose was hitting. I mean, I think he had like 57 doubles or something, mm-hmm. 55, 54, something like that. Like he was a doubles machine. And I was, I remember thinking that was so cool because he was doing all kind of crazy stuff. So there were a lot of individual things that were going on that I was really, really impressed with um, and having fun watching. Um, and honestly, yeah, I, I really don't recall feeling like, okay, this is my chance to do it. Obviously all that stuff plays through your head. Um, and, you know, you try and get that competitive edge, like saying, this guy's not going to get me out. Like, I'm going to go up there if I have an opportunity and it's going to be, I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be the one. But it wasn't like in relation to like, I'm going to be the one to keep the streak alive. Like, I want to be the one to win this game. You know, I want to be the one to, to, to get the hit. You know, everyone wants to be that guy. So, yeah, you know, thinking that inning, it's like, man, listen, like, these guys are not better than we are. And Let's just take care of it right now. You know, that's kind of the, the attitude and the sentiment, I feel like, in the, that was in the dugout. But uh, what's the feeling like? What do you remember after you got that base hit and then the mob scene? I remember just being genuinely, like, so happy. Um, I'm being very like appreciative of being in that moment because I was, so I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have seen and y'all know about, you know, the 2010 walk off to clinch the division in Cincinnati. Um, When I did that, I was much younger, more naive and kind of thought that like, that's how things happened. Like, that's just what happened in baseball. Like, when you played Major League Baseball, you did cool stuff like that all the time. Well, playing the years after that and growing up and, and, you know, becoming more experienced and experiencing good, experiencing bad, realized 
that that stuff does not come around that often. Like that stuff like that does not just happen all the time. And so I remember, you know, kind of being chased after the double. I wanted to make sure to get the double, by the way. I'm a big proponent of get every single base that you can when you hit a walk-off because you never know what they're going to give you. Um, and I remember the guys ripping my jersey off and feeling like, one, it was such a great fit. Like, man, I fit. I belong here. I fit here. This is awesome. Like, this is – not that I needed, like, a moment of, like, christening to the team, but, like, that was a big moment for me with the with the Cleveland Indians. Like, that was – something that was one of the things things like that that I wanted to come over to Cleveland and do I wanted to be an impact bat I wanted to make this impact on the field off the field the whole thing you know like I tried to always do but I think after the game and like you know driving home or whatever and talking with my wife and and just reflecting a little bit at the time it was more about like appreciating the fact or being able to appreciate the fact that that had happened and understanding that that does stuff does not come around all the time. And people don't get to experience those single moments of success and something that affects a whole franchise and a whole fan base like that streak did. Um, and so I remember being very appreciative of having more of an understanding of what it actually meant Mm-hmm. than, say, the 2010 walk-off in, in Cincinnati. Well, well, before we let you go, when, when you reflect back on it now, I mean, I think for all of us, it, it's kind of astounding to think 22 in a row. What are, are there moments, memories, or thoughts that you have when you think back that, you know, kind of stand at the forefront? Kind of like you. Astounding is a great word. Um, it is absolutely incredible that we were able to make a run that was that long because like I I mentioned, like so many things happen on a daily, nightly, inning to inning basis. All one person has to do is go out and lay an egg for on a pitching in one, one appearance, one start give up a grand slam in the first inning somehow or whatever it may be. There are so many small things that can happen that can lead to one single loss that it still blows my mind to this day that we were able to string together 200 innings of baseball that was equaled up to to winning every single night. We went out there for 22 days for over two weeks. Well, really fun stuff there from Jay Bruce and certainly his game-winning base hit in the 10th inning in game number 22 will be a memory for everyone who was there or was watching or listening to the Indians. Uh, that will be a memory that will last a lifetime. And as you can tell from him, uh, it really was a, a stretch of play and a period in time in his career, albeit brief with the Indians, that he will treasure for a lifetime to be sure. Now, if you're listening to this podcast on Saturday, May the 23rd on Memorial Day weekend, don't forget to tune in tonight as the Indians take on the Tigers once again, looking for win number 20 in the streak to tie 
the American League record of the Oakland Athletics set back in 2002. And you can hear that game at 7 p.m. right here on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network and Indians.com. That'll do it for this episode of The Streak. Thanks go out to Brian Matze and Bob Coates at iHeartMedia for their production help. Bart Swain and Corkberry Tripp from Indians PR. And also thanks to Jay Bruce for stopping by and, of course, Tom Hamilton. Only one more podcast left as we take a look back at The Streak. We will summarize it with a, a highlights-type podcast for you as our next one will be the final one with The Streak concluding on Memorial Day Monday in terms of the radio broadcasts. In the meantime, I'm Jim Rosenhouse. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and we'll talk to you next time on The Streak. The Indians' historical streak marches on. Thanks for listening to The Streak Podcast, the inside stories from one of the greatest stretches of play in Indians and baseball history. Your companion to the nightly game broadcast on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.